Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, co-host Scott Martin here. It is a, uh, what is it, Wednesday morning as we're recording. As you are listening, it'll be Thursday. Today, we are Justin Lane days away from MSU football. Tomorrow, as you're listening, it'll be Jaden Reed. It'll be one day away from kickoff. We just, so this episode will be a little different than a typical game preview. It'll be a little longer because we just wrapped up a little uh, segment with our guy, Scott L. Brown. Uh, this was a result of Scott winning our March Madness pool. So we brought him on. He is a former Michigan State football player. He was uh, a Big Ten champion in 1990. And we talked with him for roughly a half hour about his time at MSU, kind of comparing that to what it's like now. He gave some predictions that you're going to want to hear. So that will be at the end of this episode, so you'll hear us kind of sign off from the Western Michigan preview, and then it will continue, and that will be uh, our conversation with Scott. So I really encourage you to listen to that. It was it was a great time, Scott. I know you're listening. We appreciate your time once again and all the kind words. But uh, yeah, man, we're two days away from football, from Michigan State football. Uh, we're one day away from college football as a whole. And I started thinking, Scott, neither of us are going to this game, unfortunately, but you start getting in the mood for tailgate season. You start getting in the mood for, you know, heading over to East Lansing, setting up your tailgate spot, getting the tents up, getting the grill going, getting the beers going. And I'm just curious, you know, we we obviously as students had very different tailgating setups than uh, as adults now. As students, it was basically get as drunk as possible at the fraternity house and then find the parents' tailgate where we would just inhale as much food as possible and a couple more drinks before heading into the stadium. As a grown man, uh, I I guess, first of all, has that habit changed? <laughs> but like, what's what's your typical tailgate looking like now? What's what's on the grill? Um, what, what are you eating? What are you drinking in, in your adult life tailgate? Drinks gotta be Michelob Ultra. I made the mistake like your family with Michelob Ultra, dude. dude I do not, not understand the obsession. It's my, it's my wife's family. They, I had never drank one before I met my wife and their family. It's like all they drink. So they just wrote me in, man. Spend enough time around that stuff, <laughs> it'll sink its teeth into you. Uh, I, I, well, when I was in college, you know, I was simultaneously trying to like party as one does and explore the world of beer you know being 21 finally and being able to walk into a store and like make decisions instead of just drinking the hams <laughs> that your your plug walks out with so i was like oh, i'm gonna try like these fun new beers you cannot tailgate on heavy beer like no. it is it is a brutal experience you're just like heavy all day you can't really eat you can't drink as much as you wanted to so you got to go with the light beer now the the hydration plus Yep. A little bit of fun. Hydration is key. A little bit of getting loose, a little bit of lubrication. Um, So I'm just like cracking that open, you know, whenever the the lot opens 6 a.m., you get your parking spot and you just get started on those. 
just ride that out all day. In terms of what's on the grill, I, my wife is like, it's a blessing and a curse that she can't eat the same thing twice within like a six month period. She just like is sick of it, <laughs> quote unquote. So I'm sure she would have some really creative menus uh, for tailgating if we were to go back all the time. Um, I'm, she's also just a huge fan of hot dogs. So it really depends on her mood. It's either going to be something I've never had before or hot dogs, either of which is fine. <laughs> that's a, it's a big variable there. Yeah. It's, it's a wide range. I, yeah. So I'm, as far as the food, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible because you know, what, what typically ends up happening is you start setting up the whole tailgate and you think you're going to do this and this and this, and then a few beers start going down. Somebody brings out the Jack Daniels and all of a sudden that big plan you had to, you know, finish preparing and marinating and put, it's just, you got to keep it simple. So I'm a big brat guy, brat buns, brats, some whatever condiments, barbecue, mustard, ketchup, whatever you bring in. And then just some to bring, bring those like deli sandwiches, those little pinwheel sandwiches. I'm good. That's all I need. Light beers. Like you said, that's the move. I usually involve a little bit of liquor, but I, you know, you try not to get too aggressive last year at the uh, Nebraska game. It was that night game and we were tailgating for, you know, upwards of eight hours and we were loaded up on, on beer and, and liquor. And then, uh, Scott Tripcheck brought two takeaway gallons of peanut barrel, long Island, which apparently they do what? takeaway long islands. That, that was the first I've heard of it. And I'm once... more interested in this two gallons of it than the fact that you can take it away. You could you can bring like a gallon, maybe it was half gallon jugs or gallon jugs, but I know we ended up with about two gallons total of peanut barrel Long Islands that they got takeaway. And once those got brought to the tailgate, it got loose. <laughs> so I do not recommend that at all, <laughs> at all. But yeah, light beer couple shots i think that's that's a good place to be like you said it keeps the stomach light it it keeps you hydrated a little bit it keeps the buzz going i think that's the move so to all the people heading over for tailgates i am jealous of you first and foremost but uh i wish you good weather i wish you good uh you know cold beers and 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 the whole nine yards and and uh, trust me i am very jealous of everybody uh, heading over to the game this weekend. So DraftKings, you guys know it's the best sports book on the planet. Uh, NFL season's coming around the corner. They are an official betting partner of the NFL. They have a promotion that you cannot miss. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven and you win. You bet on an NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point in the game, you get paid out instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, Scott, to preview this Western Michigan games, our friends at DraftKings are helping us out here. Currently, um, we have the point spread, Michigan State minus 23. This number has gone up quite a bit. Uh, it was out there at about 19, 19 and a half uh, pretty recently. So that number has gotten blown up over under. 54 and a half obviously we will give our picks on the friday show for those of you who are new we do uh monday is recapping the previous game thursday is previewing the next game friday is the picks so we're not making our pick today but to to kind of help us along here 23 point spread 54 point over under um and and we'll start with talking about western michigan a little bit here 
Scott, I, I mean, does anything jump off the page for you as you start to look into this team? It's it's obviously a, a pretty solid Mac program, um, but what should we expect uh, on Friday night? You're muted. <laughs> I'm using redundant mutes after a coughing incident <laughs> last episode, so now I'm just stifling my own voice. Uh, it's an interesting year western michigan had last year they didn't they lost a lot of games but they also won eight and they finished last in their division so and really on the road right correct um yeah it was a very strange finish to the year they went four and four in the mac and eight and five overall and finished last in the mac west everyone in the mac west had at least six wins no one had more than nine so weird Mac season for them. The Mac is usually pretty wild, but there you have the unfortunate. If you think the Big Ten East is uh, top heavy versus the Big Ten West, take a look at the Mac West versus the Mac East. Um, they had the Mac East had two teams that won more than four games last year, so uh, it's a rough, rough year. Um, Western is better than sixth place in the Mac West team. Uh, that said, it shouldn't be a challenging win for Michigan State. I mean, the 23-point spread obviously is indicative of that, but it's also week one. So even even those folks in Vegas who get paid big bucks to throw numbers in our face, at the end of the day, they don't know anything about these teams either that, that we don't. So um, the 23 points, that's just kind of betting behavior, I would expect, more than like actual insightful football knowledge. Um but to get down to kind of what to expect from this team last year, uh, the offense was okay, uh, but they lost their quarterback. They lost Sky Moore as well to the draft. He's on the Chiefs now. Uh, that was a star wide receiver last year. Uh, they returned kind of a one-two punch at running back, Sean Tyler, and a familiar name, Ladarius Jefferson, who's been playing at Western for, he's going into his third year, but uh, I'm sure Michigan State folks remember him playing a uh, freshman and I think sophomore redshirt freshman year at Michigan state before transferring out. Um, so the offense is plugging a lot of big holes, new quarterback, new receivers, a lot of new offensive linemen. And of course the big story from the weekend, new offensive coordinator, Peyton Thorne's father. Um, so the offense is a complete wild card and that's probably the biggest, I wouldn't say concern for this because we don't know if it's a concern or not, but um, it's a wild card. On the defensive side, they returned three linebackers. It's the strength of their defense. But last season, even though they had those strong linebackers, really struggled to stop the run against anyone who was worth any weight in uh, in the run game. So I think that's really where we can exploit this game, this matchup, and and control this game. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff would love to get a good look at the whole running back stable. We know what we kind of have in the, in the passing game, um, barring a couple questions, but really the, getting this running game going is going to be a huge priority. So first thing I expect to see in the first half, to, uh, this, I guess tomorrow for those listening is a heavy dose of the new running backs. Um, I think he- you did a good job laying it out there. I mean, Western, they're replacing a lot, really, on both sides of the ball. I think they have three returning starters on offense. Um, in a week one game, you're not expecting a, a gauntlet, really difficult game here for Michigan State. So the the obvious storyline with any time you play a MAC team is how – how much are you able to get some of those depth guys in the game and, and get good looks against somebody other than their own defense in practice or their own offense in practice where, you know, you're going full steam, but you're not going full tackling. You know, you, you can't tackle down in the legs and, you know, you don't really know until you know. So that's obviously one of the big storylines is like, how early are we able to get you know, the second string in, the freshman in. And I was kind of thinking about this, and and Scott, if you have a good answer, of if we're able to build that three-touchdown lead into the third quarter and you, you kind of start pulling some guys, you kind of start mixing it up a little bit, 
are there any position groups or or players specifically that you are really interested to see? Because I I think you know everybody wants to see the backup quarterback, but the reality is if we're in a position where the backup quarterback's coming in, it's probably not going to be throwing the ball a ton. So same goes for the wide receivers. You'd love to see Jeremy Bernard or you know Lockett or you know some of these depth young guys that you're curious what they look like, Christian Fitzpatrick, but the reality is by the time they get into the game, we're not going to be throwing the ball. So I kind of turned over to the defense. I am really curious. I think there are certain positions D tackle. We've seen basically all of the depth guys before. So there's no real surprises there. Um, Corner kind of the same way, like because of last year's injuries, most of the depth guys we've seen, we might see aid Willie or Caleb Coley get some reps in there as freshmen, but we've seen most of these guys, I'm really curious at safety. If we're in a position where we're able to pull out Xavier Henderson, um, to pull out Angelo Gross and get some young guys a couple reps, um, it I don't think with safety it'll be kind of like the wholesale change. Like at running back, you're just going to pull your starter and he's not going to come back on the field. Um, with safety, I don't think it's going to be necessarily that, but you might get a couple reps here and there for a Jaden Mangum for um, – you know, whoever it may be. And I'm, I'm really curious to see that. Who do they bring in? And if they are brought in, they're probably going to see a few passing reps and, and how do they handle that situation? So that was kind of one uh, position group that I targeted a little bit if we're, if we're able to get them in there. Yeah, I'm uh, less, I guess my the first thing that comes to mind isn't on the depth side so much as answering the couple of questions in the starting roles uh offensive line obviously seeing who lines up where i don't think there's too many secrets but it is obviously a big question mark um i'm assuming keon coleman's wide receiver three but how where do the wide receivers line up you know what kind of roles are they going to be filling this year um and most of all running backs how do they look right mm-hmm. and and how does the offensive line look trying to give a relatively weak d line no offense to western but statistically i don't mean i don't know what they do in the weight room but didn't have a good year last year so if our running game is going to be an effective part of our game this year you got to at least start to see it you have to see it at least start to come together now it's week if- 1 there's always going to be rust there's always going to be holes you need to fill and tweaks you need to make so i don't expect I'm not like looking at this game like, hey, if, if we don't have a perfect rushing attack, we're going to suck at running the ball this year. But against a team like this, you got to see the majority of your reps being wins for Michigan State uh, on the ground. And if uh, we come out of this game with three yards of carry, I'm yeah, going to be real nervous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think under five yards of carry, honestly, in a game like this would probably yeah. be a little bit disappointing expecting there's a couple chunk plays to drive up the average nothing i don't expect kenneth walker to take the first carry or i don't expect either the running backs to take the first carry to the house like k9 did but uh, or finish you know, with what, what did he finish with like 196 and three touchdowns, touchdowns or four something touchdowns that day four yeah yeah so um yeah i mean i want to see how the running game looks on the offensive side the passing game i don't expect to need too much and i think they'll handle their business uh, on the defensive side, a same kind of vibe on the pass rush on the defensive ends, right? If we're going to have an effective outside rush this season, we're going to need it against a team like this, or we're going to need to see it against a team like this. Um, and the big question on defense is just generally what kind of packages are we rolling out, yeah. right? Is it Are we playing 80% 4-2-5, or are we going to more multiple are we going to three down linemen and four linebackers going to three down linemen and three linebackers? Um, there's a lot of options. I just, I think on the defensive side, I've said this before, if they're going to be mixing in new looks this year, they're going to need to start implementing them in game week one. It's not like the offense and hiding your playbook. You need snaps in those new looks. So on the defensive side. So um, yeah, I think first half that's, those are really the stories and I'm hoping the first half is the only time we really get to read into the starters if everything goes according to plan. I That's going to be one of those things where we always try to. We, we don't always have enough time 
but we always try to we watch the game live obviously but then before we record the recap show we both are trying to watch the whole game again and kind of slow down or focus on certain things now that we know the result and you know we we have an idea of well this guy played really well and you try to kind of focus on what he was doing or you know, this guy seemed like he was really struggling. Let me key in on him a little bit more when I watch it the second time. That's for sure. I can already tell you in the recap, when I'm watching this game the second time, I'm going to be kind of like mentally scripting that of where, like kind of pausing it before every rep on defense. and Like, okay, where are we lining up? Who's lining up where? I'm fascinated by that. We've been talking about it for months where is Darius Snow lining up? Where is Jacoby Winman lining up? Where is Aaron Brule lining up? Are, are there three down linemen? Are there four down linemen? Are we running out of, you know, is Dylan Tatum in the slot? Is like, what, what are we doing here? Is Chester Kimbrough like actually the slot guy on the team like we kind of believe he will be? Uh, is Angelo Gross still playing that kind of cover three, free safety, deep, single high kind of guy? Um, is Amir Speed and Ronald Williams the corner duo, or are they rotating those guys early? You know, if if those guys are rotating in and out in the first quarter with Chuck Brantley or Marquis Lowry, that's interesting, right? There are so many things on defense. Just before we even talk about how they play, of just where they are, that I is the number one thing that I think we'll be able to take out of a week one Mac home game and say, all right, this is something we might be able to project moving forward. And this makes me feel better or worse about playing against Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio state, whatever the case may be. So, you know, you always have that situation where you play a a bad team week one. And I I don't want to say Western's bad, but most of the previews that I've seen have them like 100 to 110th in college football. I mean, it's, this is a step back rebuild kind of season for them. So that can be one of the kind of few real takeaways rather than, Hey, this guy looked really good in this game, but it's against this competition. Can we really glean anything out of that? Um, whereas the the formation kind of stuff, I think, is is pretty sticky. In terms of what's on the line in this game, other than just a win, um, MSU has won the last 12 meetings against Western Michigan. The last Western Michigan win was in East Lansing, uh, getting a big upset win on the road in 1919, 103 <laughs> years ago. So I, I don't even know if it was an upset because we were probably the Michigan Agricultural College, and I, I don't even know what Western started as back then. Um, but we were 2-2 two and two after that game against Western and haven't lost since. The last meeting was in 2019, MSU won 51-17. So... Uh, we great. were pretty close. The one year was it when we played at Waldo Stadium at Western, where it was it kind of came down to a fourth quarter game. I, am I remembering that wrong? Or twenty fifteen, PJ Fleck was the coach, and uh, I think that was the year before Western's big run, year or two before, but thirty seven twenty four. So it was a thirteen point game, but I do remember it being close in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, there's an image in my head of Josiah Scott with like a a pass breakup in the end zone that ended up being pretty key to that one. I I don't have a f- clear memory of it. I was at, uh no, I was at Western Michigan, but I wasn't in the stadium for that one. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I I mean, look, we're so this preview is going to be a little shorter because we have uh, the the conversation with Scott on after this and. Let's be honest, you get to a certain point where we've talked all off season about the same kind of storylines, and we're kind of repeating ourselves a lot here. So we didn't want to go like a full 35, 40 minutes previewing this game. It's a Mac team, and we're looking for a big win. We're looking to see where we're lining up. We're looking to see who's the depth pieces. We're looking to see who's starting. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot 
of like surprise in what we're looking for. I think a lot of people are kind of looking for the same thing. I'm very excited for the recap show next week because we'll finally have real tangible things to talk about and some answers to all of our questions or at least half answers to some of our questions that we've had. Um, So this will be a little shorter than normal Um, for the people who are new again Basically, how it's going to go through the football season. Monday, we're going to recap the previous game. Uh, Thursday, we're going to preview the the upcoming game with matchups and players, and you know what we're looking for in that sense. And then Friday will be our picks. This is your last chance to get in on Run Your Pool, the picks contest that we're go- doing through the whole season. The same picks that will be in the weekly slate on Run Your Pool are the same picks that we will talk about on our Friday podcasts. So you can kind of follow along with us. It'll be pretty interactive. We'll be shouting out the leaders and the losers on on the shows as well and, and given our picks and given our reasoning and you can decide to listen to us or not. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it's going to set up for any new listeners. We, we welcome you with open arms and we hope you can uh, you know share the podcast with your friends or family. And uh, like I said, uh, coming up in just a moment here, you'll hear us talk with Scott L. Brown, who was a former player who uh, who was on the podcast. Finally, we've been talking about getting him on for ages. He won a uh, a bracket contest to be to join us on the podcast. So, in a second, you're going to hear that. But uh, before that, Scott, anything else before we wrap up the preview? We're done with. Well, no, we got one picks podcast left, but <laughs> I feel like I've been saying we're done with the off season and stages for the last like four weeks. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm going to say it once more on the picks, but we're done. <laughs> uh, this off season was great, but it was long and it was quiet at times. And I'm just psyched to be in season as, as a fan, as a, a host of this podcast to have new content like you said to talk about to have the fans excited and energized for another season of spartan football uh we made it and join run your pool it's going to be really fun it's free it's easy it literally takes one minute if you want it to every week and uh, it'll give you something to follow along with um and you'll win some swag at the end if you if you do well so yeah so you're not going to get our michigan state pick against the spread until the picks podcast like we said the line right now is 23 points so that gives us something to chew on for a day or two while we're pondering our picks um but no i'm all good let's get this thing rolling cool so we'll see you guys on friday with the uh with that picks episode and as uh, we are on the eve here or the eve's eve of msu football as we're recording the eve of msu football as you're listening we cannot wait can't stress that enough we cannot wait so excited until friday talk to you guys soon hope you have a great day go green go white take care folks and we are back. It is a special treat uh, to add on to this here Western Michigan preview, uh, something that's been a long time coming. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard probably, I don't know, 50 different times in the last like year or so, like, Scott, we're going to bring you on. It's going to be great. We're finally doing it. So our, our good buddy, great follow on Twitter at SL Brownie. It's Scott L. Brown is joining us. Uh, former Michigan State football player. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll talk about his time uh, at MSU in the early 90s and then kind of comparing that to now and uh, give Scott the the open floor, I guess, to make some predictions for this year. He's got the crystal ball, just so you guys know. Whatever Scott says is basically gospel. You can take it as such. So, um, Scott, welcome on the podcast. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I, I said it before we started recording, but I'll say it again. You guys are awesome when it comes to Michigan State football. So if anybody's out there listening to the first time to these guys, uh, their knowledge of the team and the history, they're on another level. And uh, so thank you guys for what you do. I really, I really enjoy your podcast. Yeah, we appreciate the kind words. Um, I always, I'm always really bad at taking compliments, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move on. Um, so basically, Scott, you were, you know, you can kind of introduce yourself a little bit more, but it's, you know, you were a walk-on player uh, in the the early '90s. You played for a Big Ten championship team. 
Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to MSU and, and who you played under, who you played with, what that was like, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised in a small town of Sparta, Michigan, on the west side of uh, Michigan, north of Grand Rapids a little bit. And uh, kind of typical small town experience. My dad was the head coach, and uh, he was he was a really good player for Sparta back in the 60s. And uh, we went 0-9 my senior year is, is kind of the bottom line. Uh, and I loved football since I was eight years old. Uh, but that, de- that devastated me. It really did. And I was getting recruited by some small programs and I just kind of made the decision. I wasn't going to play football anymore. Uh, I was going to go on with my, my life and, uh, had been accepted to Michigan state as a student. I go there in the fall of 89 and, and what's going on. Football is going on. Right. And, uh, so I go to the first game and all those feelings just came flooding back uh, and I realized I was never going to play that sport again. It's not like basketball or baseball where you can play it as an old man. Uh, when you take those pads off, it's forever. And I just kind of made the decision to try to make the team and see what happens. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny you say that. I was just listening. I don't know if, if you listen to Dan Patrick at all. He had on Ross Tucker, who's a former NFL player, and he was talking about you know, it's this time in the NFL training camp where the cuts are happening. And Ross Tucker was a guy who had gotten cut like four times, but had a pretty long career. And he he said that same thing. And I never really thought of it in that same way. If you're a basketball player and you retire, you can go shoot hoops with your son. You can go and play in a YMCA league. If you're a golfer, you can play golf when you retire. Like there's no, there's no, football beer league right like it's just the the flip of the switch when you're done you're done so you know that's that's got to be a tough feeling but then especially when you're watching it again you're saying no like i gotta get back into this yeah i'm 18 years old and i'm like this is it i'm never gonna do this again you know like you said there's no beer leagues unless you had like a lot of ambulances on standby (laughs) (laughs) waiting to carry guys off the field torn Uh, hamstrings and acls all over (laughs) I still say to this day, I'm 51. I'm good for one play, but I'd need an ambulance right on the <laughs> sidelines. Just come out and get me afterwards. But Coach Tucker, you're listening. I can go down on one kickoff play. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> so you you walked onto the team. Was it like open tryout? I mean, what was that process like? I'm always curious. Yeah. So there's a couple different versions of walk-ons. There's preferred walk-ons that are actually recruited. Uh, guaranteed a spot on the team, kind of. Um, I was not that. I was walk-on, like you walk on off the street. Uh, and, and I didn't even know the, how to how to do it. I lived in Acres. Uh, I drove, uh, rode my bike across the, the campus and walked into the facility. This was towards the end of the season, my freshman year. And I just walked into this lady sitting there. She'd never even <laughs> acknowledged me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'd like to try for the football team. She handed me a piece of paper uh, and I left out, out of the facility, was standing in front of Case Hall and it was a flyer for open tryouts. And, you know, I needed to get a physical from a doctor and prove I was a full-time student. And I just was, I thought I hit the lotto. Uh, I knew the chances of me making the team were probably slim to none, but I was going to get at least a tryout and play football for a little bit. Uh, and it was just flat open tryouts. Yeah. You, you had written something you sent over my way and you were telling me about, uh, you know, you, one of the first kind of drills, it's like a contact drill and you're standing toe to toe with Dixon Edwards who played a long time in the NFL. And you're just kind of thinking like, all right, uh, let's, let's do this. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) We're with, Dixon, we're with the real players now. Oh, Dick, Dixon's, uh, he's not a huge guy. He was bigger than me by a couple inches and maybe 20 pounds. But we were doing a drill where the the guys trying out for the team were, were blocking these linebackers. And I had like a five-yard head start. And I, this is how stupid I was back then, and maybe I still am. But I thought, I'm going to knock him right on his ass. I mean, I got a five-yard head start, and I took off and lowered my shoulder. And the next thing I remember, I was staggering towards the back of the line. I think I was looking out my ear hole, if I remember, right? Well, it was Dixon. It was Dixon Edwards. This guy goes on to, I think, three Super Bowl championships uh, with the Cowboys. 
And that was kind of my first indication I wasn't at Sparta High anymore. <laughs> so uh, you're in the tryouts, getting lit up by Dixon Edwards, but obviously you made the team at some point. So what was what do you think the difference maker was for you in that tryout that caught a coach's eye? You know, it, you have to do something, and I've thought about this a lot over the years, to kind of catch their eye. And uh, we had another drill that we – we're playing running backs and we were kind of the tackling dummies and Chuck Bulla, I drew Chuck Bulla, which was not a good thing. Uh, but we had to run between these cones and pretend that we were trying to score a touchdown. Well, I juked him and he whiffed on me and I scored, uh, which Norm Parker was our coach and we were our defense coordinator. He blew up and I thought he was at Chuck, but it turned out it was at me. <laughs> he wasn't real happy with me apparently for doing that. Uh, he made me run it again. Chuck creamed me, slammed me into the turf. Uh, but I think back now, and that might have been like one of those instances where Norm maybe recognized my name now and took note of me. Um, you just have to physically be prepared. We had a lot of guys that did great in winter conditioning, which is your first phase of tryouts. Uh, but when contact started, they got lit up and the coaches just cut them. Uh, so you just have to handle the contact and, and I think the coaches just need to know you're going to be at least a little productive to the team, right? They need to throw you on the scout team and be a little competitive, uh, even if you're not going to be a starter. Yeah. So your, your first season, right? First full season as a player was 1990. And for the MSU football historians out there, that was obviously one of our big 10 championship seasons. Uh, I mean, what was that you beat? number one Michigan on the road, 28-27. You have a couple other ranked wins in there, a ranked Rutgers win, which is interesting to look back on. Uh, you go to a bowl game, obviously. Um, I mean, what was that season like from your perspective in terms of, you know, did, did you know, you know, you're starting fall camp, you're seeing these guys every day, and you're saying, man, this is a really, really good team? Or you know, on the, on the other side of that too, is like you said, you know, Hey, all of these guys are really good. I'm not in Sparta anymore. I don't know how we compare to, you know, Michigan or, or Notre Dame or Purdue or whatever. They also probably have good players. Like, did you know pretty early, this is a special group? Uh, I did not, uh, I, because it was so new to me that this level of football, um, in, to put it in perspective, the three, our three starting linebackers, and two of our backups ended up on a mural in the football facilities of the greatest linebackers ever to play at Michigan State. So these are the kind of guys that I was playing with, the Chuck Bullas and the Dixon Edwards and Rob Fredrickson and Ty Halleck. These guys are just studs. Uh, but I didn't know. I just knew they were better than me. <laughs> and it was a lot <laughs> different than, than Sparta. You know, that year we started off 1-2-1. One, and one. Uh, We lost to Notre Dame by one point. They were ranked number one. We set the all-time attendance record that still is to this day 80,400, I think. Um, We lost to Iowa the first Big Ten game of the year. So we were 1-2-1, and unranked. Uh, I had my head down a little bit. I'd come off this 0-9 high school season. Uh, Then we traveled to Ann Arbor to play the team down the road, and they were ranked at that point number one in the nation. And the, the guys on the team, Dan Enos and some of these guys, though, their attitude was so foreign to me. I had been beat down so bad by that 0-9 senior year, but they were positive, and they knew they had a good team. And even though we were 1-2-1 and one and unranked, uh, we knocked off the, that team down the road, and when we went on to be Big Ten champs. So I didn't know we were that good at, at, at first, but uh, you look back in retrospect, and, man, we had some studs. We had some good guys on that team. So that Michigan game, I'm sure plenty would recognize it as number one versus no one, kind of the tagline that yes. it was dubbed. So obviously the two-point conversion is the big memory from well, – the failed two-point conversion is the big memory from that game in 1990. What was the atmosphere like after that game? Um, and did you kind of have a feeling at the time or did the team have a feeling at the time that that would be one that would be remembered? What are we now? 32 years later, podcasters, which they didn't know what they were in 1990 podcasters would still be talking about it. So what was the energy like after that game? Well, it was it just filled us with confidence. 
Uh, and for the record, uh, there was not interference on Desmond Howard. It wasn't <laughs> close. He, I think he tripped on his shoelace or something. I don't know. But it was not interference for the record. Uh, he just really filled us with confidence. We, we lost to the number one team uh, in the nation by one point earlier in the year when Notre Dame was number one. Now we just knocked off the number one team in the nation. So we knew we had we had a good team, uh, and we kind of had something special, and uh, we got on a roll. And, you know, we had Tico Duckett as our tailback. Uh, we just had some very talented players and uh, tough guys. I mean, this was a different era. And I don't want to sound like, eh, it's different now. Uh, you know, back then you had to be tough. But it was it was the whole three yards and a cloud of dust. And we're just going to re- cram it right down your throat. Uh, and we did for the most part. And uh, Courtney Hawkins was one of our wide receivers. So we had, we had talented guys uh, everywhere. And uh, I had no idea as an as a 18, 19-year-old kid uh, how blessed I was going to be to be part of that team because it was 20 years, 20 years from 1990 before we won another Big Ten championship. And you think of the hundreds of kids that went through that program and uh, how, how blessed I am, this walk-on from Sparta, uh, who has a Big Ten championship ring and my name's on the side of the stadium. Uh, I, I feel beyond blessed to be part of that team. Did you, you mentioned Courtney Hawkins there, obviously current wide receivers coach for MSU. Um, I don't know how much you know you interacted with him personally, but there's always some of those people in your life that whether you went to high school with them or, or spent a little bit of time and they go on to do something great and you kind of look back at certain interactions, you're like, I guess I, you know, I could have seen that coming, that rise. Like, was there anything with him that you kind of look back on now and say, you know what, like he had that leadership element that you knew, um, or was it just kind of a, a big surprise when you heard, you know, MSU hiring Courtney Hawkins here? Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. Never saw that coming. It wasn't a surprise to me at all. Uh, Hawk, he, what he was talented, but he worked his tail off. He worked his tail off. And you talk about memories. I, I vividly remember I was a Will linebacker, and they were trying out this defense where the Will linebacker would go guard the, the, the wide receiver. And they <laughs> would put me out on Hawk. And they only did it like three plays because it was so bad. <laughs> he was so like, this wide. isn't working. <laughs> this is not working. It was like something they were trying. Uh, so that as far as – Playing against Hawk, that was one of my memories. It was ridiculous. I couldn't even come close to covering him. But uh, he's a smart dude, a hard worker, uh, talented. He's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, when you look at the NFL career he had, it tells you uh, how, how tough he is. Uh, so it didn't surprise me at all when they hired him. And I thought it was just a, a – from a recruiting aspect, I thought it was a great hire uh, with all his high school contacts. And I think you're seeing – uh, the production of our receivers uh, and in Hawk deserves a lot of credit for that. I think. Yeah, they, you know, people talk about the recruiting part of of hiring him, but you look at the on the field stuff. I mean, everybody basically took a big leap under him, so he's got some on field coaching chops too. I guess he's he's good and he's a worker, and the proof's in the pudding. I think these kids look at him. Uh, and they're they're all probably bigger than him, and they look at him and his in his NFL career, and it's got to be a little inspiring to see what what he did. He's he's tough as nails. Is he? I mean, is he the best player that you think you played with, or or is anybody you mentioned Tico Duckett, Chuck Bola? So I was I was one of the smaller, I think smallest linebackers there, um, but but I had decent speed. And so they would always put me on Tico during Skelly, which is skeleton. It's just no linemen. It's just, you know, the receivers and the linebackers and the DBs. And I would, I could cover most of the other backs, at least kind of stay close to them. Uh, Tico was on another level. He made me look stupid every single time I tried to cover that guy. And I mean, I would try to force him into the boundary. Like, I don't care if he's 10 yards open. I just can't get can't get embarrassed this time and he'd embarrass me again <laughs> his change of direction was insane um uh, you know so I, I i was always going against the starting offense you know being being on the scout team uh and so tico was just another level you see highlights of him even even uh now and he, he was he was phenomenal Yeah, I can I can imagine being like a scout team linebacker against like Kenneth Walker every day and just like 
what what new way is he going to invent to make me look like an idiot today on film? <laughs> you just hope they trip or something so you can cover them. Because if they don't, there's no there's no there's no chance. Uh, I was I was proud of my time there, but I knew where I was at, you know. And I was I was on the scout team for a reason because I, uh, I wasn't better than Dixon Edwards, frankly. Uh, it was a great experience, though. Uh, it's walk-ons are so unique to the college atmosphere. Uh, you know, you don't have this in the pros. And if you're on a scholarship at a Big Ten university, you're one of the, what, top 1%, top 10th of 1% of these high school athletes. Well, for the other 99% of us, it gives you an opportunity to be part of something potentially very special like a Big Ten championship. Uh, so so walk-ons are phenomenal. I noticed just about a week ago Michigan State posted that they were going to have uh, open walk-on tryouts. So they're still doing it. And I hope there's still some kids that uh, are making that team. And it uh, it was it's a, been a life changing experience for me to be part of the players association and go back to the reunions. And for a small uh, small town kid from Sparta, is very blessed. Nice. Well, I think we want to pivot a little bit here um, out of kind of your background into some, uh, 2022 chatter. Um, you're always willing to give us great, uh, predictions on Twitter, wherever else. Um, also and always right too. always <laughs> right. Yeah. Not predictions, but just, uh, forecasts or, um, prophecies we'll call them. So <laughs> hopefully we get some fresh Scott Brown prophecy from this episode from the book of Scott. That's right. First of all, I'll say, don't anybody put any money on <laughs> DraftKings <laughs> on anything I'm about to say. I have made some very good predictions in the past, but it's been a lot of luck. Uh, the, the whole Cal Halliday predicting he was going to start. I kind of lucked into that one a little bit uh, mm-hmm. and went in the basketball tournament. I, I lucked into, but I'm willing to give whatever. Just don't put any money on it. <laughs> Well, you can make the same prediction this year. Cal Halliday is going to start. I think you'll be uh, <laughs> two I think for you'll two be right. That, that kid, you know, you guys did a, a preseason uh, on the linebackers, and he was the only one I really hadn't heard of. And I don't ever watch high school film, ever. But I went and watched his film, and two things struck me. One, he was listed as 200 pounds. No way. This kid was about yeah. 185 pounds <laughs> his senior year. His instinct for the ball was insane. I mean, it was crazy. It wasn't just these little highlights. It was every play that guy's nose for the football. And so I thought, well, if he can pack on some pounds, he's going to be, you know, forced to be reckoned with a little bit. And I checked the roster. They listed him at 220, which might they might have fudged that a little bit. But I'm thinking, okay, he's big enough. This is my hot take. He's going to start. So that's kind of how that went. It was complete luck. <laughs> hey, you saw it on the high school film. Um, and we saw it too, right? I mean, two pick sixes, both of them almost entirely instinct, just kind of sinking in zone coverage to the right spot and the ball happened to come to him. Um, but yeah, it's translating really well. Let's see what he's listed at this season. Uh, da-da, 230. So you can tell us how fudged that is, whether he's <laughs> 200, 215, actually 230. <laughs> I don't know. He's obviously a lot bigger than high school because in high school, he was not a big kid. And for him to get a big 10 scholarship at, I'm not kidding. He had to be 185, 190 pounds tells you some of his football instincts and his talent and uh, his future's bright. All right. So we'll, we'll cap this at the end with your 2022 expectation prediction, whatever you want to give and a little bit of Western Michigan chatter as well. But before we get into those kind of rigid predictions, just in general, 2022, we're through the off season, really, as we record two days away from game one against Western, what uh, coming out of the summer, what's catching your eye? What do you think? Like any specific players, any specific changes to the team you expect? What, uh, what's got you excited for this season? I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling very positive about the season. Uh, I, I just look at the depth, the talent depth that our team is building and you can see it. It's significant uh, versus maybe what it has been the last few years. Uh, and that's huge. There's injuries every, every year. Uh, you know, we, you just look at the facilities and I know 
that everybody has better facilities nowadays. But when I was there, woof. I mean, you, we call we call the football building the dungeon because you walked down into it and it was kind of all dark, and we had just weights laying around. I mean, it was a different time. And now, holy cow! I'm so jealous, so jealous. I mean, when when we our green and white game, uh, we just wore our practice stuff. It was all stained and stinky and nasty. <laughs> And nowadays, it's a full-blown, uh, you know, football game uniforms. Uh, so I'm excited about the program. I'm ex- excited about our recruiting. Uh, we got a great class coming in, more four-stars than they've had in a long time. And uh, sometimes that translates, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I'm excited about the direction of the program. Uh, most of our positions, I think we got a lot of depth, a lot of talent, which is a sign of a championship program. You, you have to have depth. You're going to have injuries. Uh, so I'm excited for the season. I think we're going in the right direction, and it's a good time to be a Spartan. Any any win loss predictions? Nine wins, ten wins, fifteen wins? Yeah, yeah, we're going undefeated, Kevin. <laughs> put your money. This is the only thing you put your money on. I, I think we can go undefeated. And you guys will laugh at me, and I'm a former player. Maybe I'm a little, a little goofy, but uh, we got Ohio State coming in. We're going to have revenge on our minds. I know they're talented off the Richter scale, but. I think we can go undefeated. And so my prediction, we're going to go undefeated. We're going to go to Indy, win the Big Ten, and then you guys can call me back and I'll give you the playoff, the playoff. <laughs> in the playoffs too. <laughs> we'll worry about that when we get there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like, hey, somebody's got to predict an undefeated season. I know. I, I don't think we've had an undefeated prediction maybe ever on the podcast. So well, there, um, you go. there you have it. And you can have me back every year and you'll probably get the same prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving my un- undefeated prediction for next year. I think okay. that'll okay. that'll be the year. <laughs> but no, it's it's. I mean, you know, like you say, you 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 go into every season and you can circle every game and and convince yourself. I mean, I we've talked about this, I think, on the podcast before. But Scott and I, we drove down. It was just the two of us to the college football playoff against Alabama in his Jeep that got like 12 miles a gallon and had like a six gallon tank. And, you know, we start the car trip at like 5 a.m. We're like, man, we're driving down. It's going to be great. But man, we're going to get blown out. And by the time we passed through like Illinois, I think that southern tip of Illinois, we're like, you know what? Like, just get a couple big plays early. You know, you you control the field position a little bit. We'll win this game by two touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> so you can always talk yourself into it, and especially Ohio State. Hey, home game, like you said, a revenge spot. Why not? Why and, not? And, it, and I tell you this: as a player, you better believe. You better believe that you're going to win that game, or you have a good chance to win that game, and you can compete, uh, or you don't have a chance. And I'm an old guy and I have a lot of history and you guys were around, but it wasn't too long ago. We went to Ohio state without our starting quarterback, who yep. was one of the better quarterbacks uh, we ever had and we beat them. So it can happen. It does happen. Uh, and as a player, you better believe going on that field that you can get that win. And uh, I do believe that. But we'll what see what do you think at. about, you could, since we're on the top, we were talking about this the other day. Um, I don't know if you were listening where with Ohio State, we, we were kind of wondering, what do you do as a coaching staff? So as a former player, right, my my take was that I don't want to remind these guys. They know in the back of their heads what happened last year, but I don't want to actively remind them at all. That game tape's being thrown out. I'm not bringing it up in the pregame speech. I'm not ever bringing it up as a coach. Are are you with me there or or no? Are you kind of using that as the coach and say, you know, look what these guys did to us last year. We got to, you know, come back and and get that revenge. Like, I think that's a weird spot to be in as a coach. I don't think I'm watching the film because it wasn't pretty. (laughs) So I'm not sure how much film I would be watching, but I absolutely would bring it up. Okay, I I would bring up that score. Uh, I'd bring up what happened because, um, boy, if that doesn't motivate you and, uh, you know, when I played, our coaches would just stress toughness, you know, the talent's one thing you're, they have, they have a great talented team, uh, but you have to out tough them, 
you know, and uh, again, you have to believe, you have to believe that you can win and we've done it before and we'll do it again. And uh, we got a shot. That's all you can ask for is to go out there and, and buckle up and, and, and smack them in the mouth and see what happens. Yeah, that that was where my mind was going with that. Was you you have to believe that you're gonna you're going to win. Not not that you can, but that you're going to win that game. And I just I, I the way I was looking at it was, I guess as a coach, you know the the personality of your players better than I do sitting in this chair. But, um, you know, I the the mind of a nineteen twenty year old can be kind of fickle and you're like, do I, do I play with that? Do I, do I remind them enough? Cause then they're going to remember and they're going to think, man, you know, they killed us last year. It's going to be tough to win this game, you know, or it's, I feel like that's just a really tough spot to be in as a coach coming off of a blowout of that type of level. You know, you lose a game by two touchdowns and then you play the team again the next year. All right. But 49 points at halftime you know like i it's i don't envy coach tucker in the the kind of lead up to that game and figuring out like how the heck do i toe that line you know that's that's an interesting spot well well you hope you have tough players and recruit kids that have that attitude that you can challenge them you can remind them of that score and what happened and they'll respond and they'll get irritated, and they'll be out for blood. They'll be out for revenge, and that's the kind of players uh, you need on that team. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much of the film I'd watch, uh, <laughs> but I would uh, remind them of that score and what happened, and I, w- I would challenge them, and I think we have the the type of players that respond to that. Yeah, and, and he's talked how many times about how important it is to have a player-led team, so that, that definitely plays into it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we are, like I said, two days away. We're going to put a bow on this thing. Western Michigan, Scott, obviously you have a win predicted. Um, if I'm <laughs> interpolating your, if your predictions be correctly. State, we damn well better be Western. <laughs> Correct. We got a W coming. <laughs> so we've got the, the Peyton Thorne and his dad aspect. We've got uh, Jaden Reed obviously coming from Western Michigan. We've got the in-state factor and the fact that – Darius Jefferson of- playing for Western. There's there's yeah, a bunch know. of connections here. There's plenty of in-state connections. Um, the spread, I think last I saw was MSU by like 22 and a half. So we'll give you the win, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to make you pick against the spread. Can MSU cover 23 points in this one? Uh, I don't think we'll cover 23 points. Uh, I think we're going to work on our fundamentals. We're going to try to drive it right down their throat. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to be a points thing for the coaches. And these MAC teams are not a joke. They're Division One teams. Uh, the the famous saying: they're on scholarship too. Uh, you got Jefferson. He came from Michigan state. He's a good player. Uh, I don't know if we're going to cover the spread. I I would say not if we're going to put money on it, but, uh, I'm excited because there's so many unknowns the first game of the year, like who's starting, who's where, who's some of these backup offensive linemen that are going to be in there because they're a bunch of young guys. Uh, you know, it was Cal Halliday starting at linebacker. That was my thing last year that I was yeah. excited, excited about. So I'm pumped. I'm going to be at the game. I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, so I'd say we're not going to cover the spread, but it's going to be a comfortable win. What's your, uh, what's your season to like, where are the, where are the tickets? What you can shout out the section. We used to, we had two season tickets forever when I was growing up. We were way, we were the, I think eighth to last row of the stadium. We were way up in the nosebleeds, but I loved those seats because you get the, you can see how every play develops. You get kind of that bird's eye view. I think I'm section 27, if I remember right. I'm on the home side, down by the goal line, uh, the tunnel entrance. And I've worked my way through the years where I'm up underneath the uh, overhang, which is awesome. So nice. it can rain and snow, it can do whatever. You have the seat rest too? Oh yeah, this, of oh, nice. Yeah, you're living large over there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. I've been able to work my way up over the years. Uh, I'm pumped. I can't wait to get down there Friday. I'm excited. And and where's the tailgate spot? 
wherever we land. Uh, I don't have a specific spot. Okay. We, we just go down piling, uh, usually caravan with some people down there and uh, land wherever we land. Cool. Well, hey, we're we're super excited about the season. We're happy we finally got to get you on here. Uh, anything else before we from? I I keep wanting to say like, hey Scott, and then I you know this bad dad joke, but there's two Scots here. So, um, anything else before we uh, we wrap it up here? Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck to all the players this year. Hopefully, we're injury free. And, uh, hey, if you guys really want to get in-depth, you can start doing some work on the scout team depth chart. I mean, I would really appreciate <laughs> that. Guys, that's another level. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, and go green. We'll get that idea down for by spring next year. The, the scout <laughs> team depth chart rolls. We'll try to get some, some stats. <laughs> awesome. That's what, that's what you guys need to do. I'm sure people will be interested. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next step. All right. Well, Scott, we really appreciate the time. We, we appreciate having you on. We'll, uh, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep in touch obviously. And, uh, it was, it was great, great conversation here. Hope everybody enjoyed it. You can follow Scott on Twitter at S L Brownie and, um, yeah, looking forward to the season and, Until next time, go green, go white. Take care, folks.